Positive heads out there. Brandon Beecham here. Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. I'm extremely excited to introduce you all to the dynamic duo that make up my guest panel for this week's show. Starting with goddesses first, of course, I have uh, the lovely performance artist, Evolution, uh, as well as her very talented, but not quite as lovely partner, uh, Yegan Lamagaya, <laughs> who is better known as the musical artist and producer, uh, Kalia Scintilla, which, by the way, is who you just heard a taste of on the intro to this podcast. Hello, Eve. Hello, Yegan. Welcome to the Hi. show. Hello. Hey, hey. So excited to have you guys. I was extremely excited to hear you were willing to do this show after our mutual friend Jazzwall reached out for me and said that you would because, you know, A, I'm a huge fan of your music, Yegan. Love the live performance and spoken word elements that you bring, Eve. And B, you know, there's such a strong sense of spirituality woven into your music and the performances you co-create. And you know, since spirituality and the ultimate nature of reality is my favorite topic, uh, I was super anxious to pick both of, you know, your beautiful brains and hear your perspective on these topics. So thank you guys so much for, for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Cheers. Sure, sure. Now, first things first, I suppose, how long have you both been, you know, perfecting your separate artistic crafts and, and, and how long have you been collaborating? Goddesses mm-hmm. first. <laughs> Um, wow. I feel like I've been working on my particular craft since I was a kid, um, and refining it, going into college, building my own, uh, theaters with children's theater, and then, uh, eventually landing into the whole, uh, West Coast festival scene where then I took mm-hmm. it to the next level and started collaborating with fire performers and belly dancers and performance artists of all kinds in the San Diego and LA area and started directing. Um, And then I started getting into the experiential understanding of ritual theater and realizing there's a big difference between regular theater and ritual theater. Um, So that was um, a big shifting point for me. And then I met Yegan and we've been collaborating for about three years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And how about you, Gagan? Uh, you know, I got piano lessons when I was probably about six and I really didn't enjoy it. Uh, the, the teacher was really annoying and it, it just felt <laughs> that I didn't really enjoy the discipline of it. But at the right. same time, I had some Lionel Richie tapes and, uh, <laughs> and Bon Jovi and I loved it. I was just so into the music, you know. I you were hanging on a prayer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Slippery Wet and Wet, 1988. <laughs> oh, yeah, comic. I remember, remember but, it well. So, yeah, I was really always, you know, greatly, like, into music, like, loved it with my whole being. And uh, it evolved through uh, sort of the punk rock realms and the metal realms as I became an angsty teenager. And then, right. I, then I just flipped 180 one day and started listening to Herbie Hancock and funk music. And, nice. uh Around that time, I was uh, playing a guitar and uh, playing drums and i get together with mates and we'd kind of jam on the weekends and between school and 
uh, even sometimes at school. And, yeah, that was just what we did. We just loved music. You know, there were the kids that loved sport and we just loved to jam. And um, that continued as we left school. Uh, but getting into the city, because I was living in the country, uh, we moved mm-hmm. to the, I moved to the You're city. You're from Australia originally, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. So I grew up in a little country town there. But, um, but yeah, moved to Sydney and then came into the bright lights and the nightclubs and uh, – just immediately fell in love with electronic dance music. And I guess I spent about seven, the next seven years DJing vinyl. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, my instrumentation just sort of fell away to that. Uh, and then it was when I started to really get deep into my production that I started to pick up a guitar again. And in just, I guess, lately I've been playing a lot more percussion, learning different percussions and, uh, and didgeridoo. Very nice. You, you play didgeridoo as well then. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been having a blow at it for the past couple (laughs) of years. Yeah. I love, I love the didgeridoo. That's, and I guess you, you kind of have to with the music that you make and coming from Australia would be something would be wrong with uh-huh. you not playing the dishery <laughs> do, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Well, I, you know, I was reading your brief uh, bio on SoundCloud. Uh-huh. And you mentioned infusing your love of nature, uh, tribal healing, sacred geometry, and Hathor wisdom. Uh, I found that description really, you know, very interesting. I, I was kind of seeking to see what you would what you would say as far as a genre. And I love the fact that I didn't get a, a genre because I always I've never been a fan of like pigeonholing something. Instead, I get Hathor wisdom. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> can you elaborate a little bit on all that? Yeah, totally. Um... I guess as uh, when I really started to devote myself to the music, it was about 2007 and I was going to a lot of outdoor trance festivals in Australia mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, going out to these places and having really tribal experiences. I'd leave my shoes at campsite and I'd just go barefoot on the dance floor for hours. And, uh, <laughs> it was during that time that I was having, I guess, the beginnings of my spiritual awakening, and I was mm-hmm. recommended some books like uh, Drunvalo's Ancient Secret of Flower of Life. Oh, and, right, right, yeah. And um, I had a, uh, I'd gotten into the channelings of Tom Kenyon, um, who I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, he's 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 been working with the Hathors since the '80s, and I, you know, I was reading his channeled stuff and I was like, yeah, you know, I've read sci-fi before, like the idea of <laughs> other intelligences in the universe don't seem too far out, but I'm not too sure how I feel about them talking through this guy. Sure. Uh, but I just kept reading it and it really deeply resonated. And then I read about the Hathors again in uh, <clears throat> Drunvalo's work and then they came up again when I started exploring Egyptian mysticism. And so right, I that's just, an Egyptian. The Hathor is an Egyptian rooted in Egyptian lore, right? Yeah, exactly. A, it's yeah. a goddess. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, on, in an archetypal sense, uh, she's a goddess, but then also as an extraterrestrial race, the Hathors are, a race of beings from Venus and they work with sound 
and really? the heart and sound and the heart are like the two biggest things of my life. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely resonated when I started uncovering all this information, especially when it started coming from different sources. And then I was putting the uh, meditations into practice in my own life and having drastic mm-hmm. results. And wow. And um, and then yeah, and the nature aspect is something that I've noticed as I've evolved is that wherever I'm rooted down to make music, that the energy of the nature and what's happening on the earth there f- feels like it flows through the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you definitely have that element all throughout your music. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I really do love, you know, the, the organic feel um, and I find, you know, music that's really sharp and alien. I, I can listen to some of it, but it needs to be rooted and grounded in some sort of organicness for it to feel really good to me. I'm anyway. with you on that. I'm with you on that. It, it definitely ties these two things together. It's almost like the sum is greater than the equal parts. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the name itself, Kalia uh, Centilla, how did you come up with that? I. Uh, I had a, um, a a belly dancing girlfriend at the time, and actually she influenced the music a lot because she gave me a whole bunch of her belly dance music, and I thought it was amazing. <laughs> wow. uh, all these like really deep mystical Middle Eastern sounds uh, would yeah, it just struck a, a really deep chord with me, right. and um, she enjoyed that word because it was a, a Romanian gypsy word. Or it is a a Romanian gypsy word that means yesterday and tomorrow. So they kind of use it for something that's other time. You you would reference Kalia if it's not in the now. Like it doesn't matter. It's it's other time. And um, and then finding a word that went with that was just a matter of having a brainstorming on a on like a thesaurus online one night. (laughs) Just ventilating. I'm assuming. I was, yeah, well, I was like looking like Kalia Cosmos and Kalia Stars. And I, through looking uh, at those sorts of words, I came across scintillating, which means to sparkle. And right. I was like, ah, oh, Kalia Scintilla. That really, okay. really flows. So it's kind of like the, the phrase I would use is tomorrow as yesterday, like a spark. Very nice. Um, you know, I really love your latest album, Open Ancient Eyes. And uh, Eve, your spoken word elements in the opening and closing tracks are, are spectacular too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's What was the writing process like for you both? I mean, was this the first time you collaborated, uh, you yeah. know, on, a, on an actual album release or? Yeah, so the way it started was um, I had been doing my own theater creations and adding poetry uh, to them to really give a voice to some of the uh, abstract aspects of what was happening on stage. And when the poetry and the movement and the music become one experience, people were really taking it and feeling very deeply, profoundly moved by it. So when Yegan and I were talking about working together, we started talking about spoken word and the power of doing pretty much a prayer to set the intention, to set the tone for the journey that we're about to go on through the music. And Mm -hmm. so I think the first time that we recorded it was actually in um, 
in my place at the time and we were in a room and he just kind of handed me the mic and I had played with some words that I had used in past performances and put them together and we recorded. And Mm -hmm. so we, we played with that and um, it was born from that moment. And when we were in Australia and we were fined and re-recorded and um, that first opening evocation set the tone for the whole journey to come with this idea that there would be a narration or there would be an actual being that we started playing with a character who is this formless mystery of the divine feminine that actually speaks like your internal silence voice that speaks to you and, and guides you so she she became um something that i was able to palpably feel especially as we were getting the ideas of how the story would actually move and what this person who's taking the journey um is experiencing and who is she to that person right. so yeah, it was a lot of fun really cultivating that. And I worked really for a very long time before the closing Universal Mother was very special because I'm like, what would the mother, the great mother say? Right, <laughs> right, right. Grace right now. And, and and that was really a challenge for me. I really sat with that for a really long time. Um, and then Yegan basically said, Eve, when is it time? And I was like, I'll know, I'll know. And then one day the words came and... and um, they were the energy was built up so much around the the deep desire for me to to speak from my heart and to make sure that these words were were universal. Sure, and, sure. Um, we basically recorded that in one take. So wow. it was pretty spectacular as far as all that the is spectacular. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the anticipation, and we both the words came through, and then you know we both looked at each other. And we're like. I think that was it. <laughs> so that hold on. So that wasn't written down. None of that is written down. This is you just tapping in, and, oh, and, and it it was written. It was written. I was working okay. on the words, okay. but it was one take for the whole vocal. One take for the actual recording of it. Okay, you got it. Gotcha, gotcha. How which about as that, far as when, which oh, is phenomenal in itself. Yeah, not to diminish that <laughs> in any way. Um, no, it's, it's someone who's me. I just press record oh. and went, oh, no, really? Yeah, I mean, that, that's how it should be. That's how the pros do it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. Very, very cool. As far as the writing process, now you said you did kind of labor over it a little bit. And obviously, when you had so much powerful, positive intention to, you know, say and channel essentially the, 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 the the right words to really you know move people and stir people emotionally and help unlock what needs to be unlocked in the listener right mm-hmm. um was that was it something where when the writing process you you know it was kind of build up build up and then just one day did it flow really smoothly once you put pen to paper or was it you know was that a little bit like uh, editing and and so forth for you Um, I've been a little bit of a wordsmith for a very long time. I was a super emotional kid and I found myself super frustrated uh, with how much I was feeling, but people weren't understanding with the limited words that we have in the English language. And um, I really started to fall in love with poetry because it was a way for me to paint my emotions in a way that people could take a journey and start feeling the textures of what I was Mm -hmm. experiencing. And so I've been writing for a really long time. And one of my gifts now is to be able to feel something or division something and then let it stream through. And it's pretty effortless on my 
part. Um, the interesting thing is, is that I always want to find energetically the right uh, um, synergy to them. So as they're mm-hmm. coming out, it's not just a lot of words that are very pretty or flowery. It's actually very potent. And each word is Absolutely. chosen with an intention. And so that was the basis of what I wanted specifically for the Universal Mother piece was not to be too much, but to be enough for the mind to really be able to take a journey and come deeper into the heart. You don't write for Taylor Swift, do you? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, you know, here's someone who really is like, has so much intention. You can just hear it in your voice. And and, I'm d- and then instantly I get a flash of like a pop song and I'm thinking, oh, this is like the yin and yang of that. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that because for me, uh, being a wordsmith myself and, you know, as I mentioned uh, when we were speaking a little bit earlier in a band for many years and uh, MC in a band and, you know, so writing lyrics and words, I always say it's like, you know, putting poetry to a beat for me that, and, and also getting a message out about consciousness and raising consciousness. And, you know, I started, uh, in 97 and at that time people were like, what the, you know, what the heck are you talking about, dude? And now it's really, (laughs) I've been so excited with the, you know, festival movement. I went to Burning Man Festival for the first time in 2005. And then, you know, the last few years, just meeting so many people like yourself who are bringing this through in a way where now it's so well received and you, you know, you guys are, are, are just doing it. So I've, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of what you're doing and, and I definitely can, um, you know, resonate strongly with what you're, what you're saying when you talk about, you know, trying to be very potent with your words. Yeah. Thank you. Important. So now you currently both reside in the Santa Cruz area. Is that correct? You got yeah. it. Okay. Okay. And how, how is, is that the area where you're from Eve or where, where are you born and raised? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And I moved oh, wow. to the West coast about seven years now. I, I moved to San Diego and um, we've only been in the Santa Cruz area for the past year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Now, you also have a side music project, Merkaba. Is that that correct? Uh, I'm I'm correct well, in saying that, right? You know, That's- it's it's not really a side music project because it came first. You know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. know Cal- that. Callius Antilla was was actually intended to be a, my side project, but really? it's kind of become a beast of its own. <laughs> Wow, that's that's fascinating. I had no idea. Um, so you started as Merkaba, and, and so what? Explain the difference between you know the the two uh, personas, so to speak. Uh, yeah. So with uh, with Merkaba, I guess in a genre sense, it's more um, trance based. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I I really love doing a a, a really deep. Uh, deep pulsing bass lines and I guess sort of progressive trance style beats with a with a fair amount of groove in there, um, but giving it like a really sort of alien technology feel as well. So like bridging the the earth to sky, you know everything mm-hmm. from the earthly realm to the the higher dimensions, and uh, yeah, just sort of fusing it all together as a as a psychedelic trance journey. Will you continue to do both? 
projects? I mean, is that is that a part of your plan? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Forward? It's been a little bit challenging to to uh, do both of them with all of the travel I've been doing, but fortunately, um, I've had some time recently, and I've or I'm on the the last stages of writing a whole new Merkaba album, so I'm excited about that. Is that the correct pronunciation? So when I say Merkaba, I've been saying Merkaba forever. It's, it's kind of like tomato, tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, if you if you go to Hebrew, they say Merkaba, which is kind of that's the way I say it. That, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, you would. Between you know, you go down to Australia and they're like, oh Merkaba, and you come here and it's Merkaba. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it, it it's all the same. Good, good. Okay, I don't feel so bad then. You know, yeah, yeah. you you challenge me with all all the uh, the unique names uh, that you weave your life around. So. Um, and I really like the name. You also use the same name for uh, a music label, correct? You're produ- you're releasing and producing, helping to produce other artists. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I kind of see it as not so much a record label, but just a portal for creativity. Uh, it stems around music, and mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm just intending it to just be a really just a portal through which creativity can just flourish. So there's not really any uh, not really any genre per se, but of course the music has to pass a resonance within me. For me, sure, I'm, sure. Just, I'm mostly interested in music that I can really feel that it comes from someone's soul and it's not sure. them trying to emulate something else. Sure. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, so how, you know, also coming from a background working for a small independent record label, you know, many years ago, going back, this is like to year 2000 or so. And of course now the traditional kind of structures are, are dead and, um, are all but dead. Um, so I'm curious how, you know, how is, how do you structure that? Obviously you have to love it and and so forth. Are you actually involved in the production aspect of some of the music or? No, no, I just, uh, I just assist with, um, helping a release come together, maybe with some suggesting artists or the mastering person. Basically the artists will come to me with uh, with their music pre-masters and then I'll help them get it to a point where it's released through the label via Bandcamp and all the other uh, outlets right. that it goes through. So it's like I gotcha. said, it's just kind of a portal and sometimes they come to me with a complete package with the art and it's already mastered and I don't really have to do anything except just release it. And so gotcha. yeah, I just deal with the releasing and then uh, making sure they get their, their, uh, their money. Right. Right. So you've got the, you're kind of helping to manage the, the business aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. Well it's the, the one little bit of business that I'm able to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. right, right. Well, good for you. That's awesome. Um, now, one of the things too, Merkaba, uh, Merkaba, however you want to say it, I, I, I think that's a fascinating name. What, for listeners who aren't familiar with that term. Yeah. How would you describe what that's based off of? What 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 the Merkaba is? Merkaba is. Uh, so it comes from Hebrew, and in Hebrew it means chariot or chariot of light. Mm-hmm. Um, also, an Egyptian translation of it is Mer, Ka, and Ba. And Ka and Ba are like two aspects of the energy body. Like one is the um, 
one is the energy body and the other one is like the uh, the physical body. So <clears throat> Merkaba means um, a kind of, it's kind of like a vehicle. It's like activating the energy body with the physical body in a way that you can transcend this dimension. So the right. idea is that it being a chariot of light, it's like a chariot for the soul. So it's kind of like your own little personal spaceship that you can cruise around in. Right. Right. If, if you look, work out how to switch it on, that is. Right. 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 Is that something that you have, um, have, have practiced or, you know, put in the intention and effort as far as like Merkaba meditation or anything like that? You know, a lot of those meditations are really like mental. And uh, mm-hmm. while, while I do enjoy um, some geometric-based meditations and I'm good at those, ones where it's all like counting breaths and doing different mudras and stuff, it it, it kind of loses me and it's it doesn't really feel like something I want to pursue. Um, mm-hmm. but, but in saying that, I did come across one version of it which I quite enjoyed, um, and it was using like a, a flower of life sphere uh, mm-hmm. connected to the chakras and the spinning of it, and that, that was kind of cool. But, yeah, some of them I, I liked actually in Drunvalo's book where he says the masculine way is to go through and do all these breaths and all these specific mudras and activate your energy body that way. And then he says the feminine way is just willing it into being. Um, and right. that, just, that just resonates so much more with me. But of course that is a, a, that's beyond the mind. So a lot of people don't really understand that, but there's a part of me that wants to understand that, you know, move out of the male, the male logical mind. That's always trying to put everything in, in this very structured format and get more, uh, tapped into heart and feeling. I think, uh, I would agree with you. That is a superior path that maybe Eve finds easier to accomplish than you or I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm super into the whole understanding for me as it being a masculine feminine energy understanding. So the energetic body is the feeling body and the physical Mm -hmm. is physical masculine structure. And then right. for me, it's synergizing that and allowing my body to be my vehicle, which is something I think on a lot of understandings falls short to really give power to because it is our body that is a vehicle, not something outside of ourself. And so right. it's been a beautiful practice as Yegan and I have come together to actually have that symbol always around us because it is the feminine and masculine uh, principles that are in harmony in the heart that then take us forward. And I think that we've had so much success with being recognized and to really be supported in a lot of our journeys when we had no idea if people would like it, get it, understand it. And sure. it's, it's been beyond magical to have this beautiful um, rooted structures around us all the time to reinforce what naturally is occurring, but to meditate on that and to intend for that, I think has been a, a massive part of, of our coming together. So I see a lot of depth to the fact that these symbols and the different names that we've given ourselves really have powerful influence on the reality of our life. Beautiful. Um, um, just occurred to me, 
Um, Yegan, are you, are you familiar at all? Because I, I think the people that put put it together are actually based out of Australia. At least the one I went to these ceremonies called the template ceremonies. Oh, are, yes. are you familiar with that? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. I don't know. It just popped into my head for some reason, thinking, "Oh yeah, they're the the guy that actually Carlos that." I, I attended them a few months ago, and uh, I figured it seems like something that you would have pro- possibly explored and, and yeah, you know, I resonated have, with to some degree. I have not done the ceremonies myself, except for the one that's online, the the okay, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. one, which is really one. cool. I, I really dig that, and uh, yeah, it's it's. I was actually talking with him to align it in Australia, and it didn't happen. But um, having read the World Bridger book, I definitely. Resonant. Okay, so you're familiar with that. Yeah, I'm definitely resonant with where they're coming from. And, um, yeah, it's it's cool that people are really, uh, yeah, going full power to, to use geometry and use energy to really come back into a place of empowerment. It's really – it really feels like, um, you know, if we are to continue on this planet – as a species, a conscious species, we need to become very, we need to claim our sovereignty and then understand that we are custodians of this beautiful garden. Absolutely. You know, and so I'm really, yeah, I really like it when things are edging towards that. I'm not too big when something says that it's the way and that there's no other way because- I'm with you on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. An interesting thing when I explain the template ceremonies to two uh, ladies in, uh, these older ladies in um, Machu Picchu who I was walking with uh-huh. and they were from, uh, not Switzerland, they were from Sweden and they said that they were doing similar practices that were passed down through the mystics and the bards of that, of that land um, using geometries, visualizing wow, really? in ceremony in the forest uh, together in circles to actually activate the their templates within them. So yeah, it was kind of cool. I was like, wow, it's happening everywhere. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that that's very intriguing to me because yeah, having attended those uh, template ceremonies, it, what I loved about it was some of the you know using the sacred geometry and the explanation of the sacred geometry, and of course the the founders. Uh, I guess most of the information, having read the World Bridger the the book, um, you know, you know. It, it, the, the information was sort of downloaded to them about the control systems and the, the yeah. beings that are controlling our planets. And and for me, uh, you just kind of hit on the perfect thing. I really enjoyed so many elements of the, the ceremonial part of the, you know, the whole workshop. Where I struggle a little bit is I'm open to all things. I'm open to hearing, you know, okay, there's these extraterrestrial beings. The Anunnaki came here. They, you know, hacked your DNA and all these things. Okay, maybe so. You know, I'm open to that as a possibility. It wouldn't be any weirder than the fact that we're sitting here talking now, right? Um, (laughs) Or what's been taught in mainstream, you know, uh, Bible class by any means. Um, But when you start getting into, oh, no, this is how it is. And it came through these people and in, in you know 
the 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 moon is a uh, satellite for sure you know uh, maybe so but <laughs> i i don't have any definitive proof of those sort of things but the yeah. the, geo, the the geometric and i find it all very interesting i love hearing it all um but uh, the the sacred geometry parts of of it and ceremony and so forth i really really enjoyed and that was cool and like i said it just kind of popped into my head with with you know you having that interest in mentioning drunvalo and um, you know, being from Australia as well, I figured it might've been something that you had, uh, come across. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So to get back uh, a little bit to what we were talking about a minute ago, I had a couple other questions about, uh, Merkaba music, um, you know, as a portal for other artists, how many artists are you currently, uh, collaborating with on that? Oh, wow. You know, I haven't even done the numbers. I'm guessing it's about, I guess in, terms of artists who have done a, uh, an EP or a, a single release and not the ones on the compilations, there's probably about 30 to 40, I'd say. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. that's a lot. And then there's the ones who have done just a single release on a, comp- on a compilation. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it'd probably be about 30 to 40 artists all up. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Um, more more than I realized. That's that's really cool. How long have you been at it? Uh, the label? Yeah, right. Um, the label came about around 2011, 2010, 2011. I actually was doing a – I'd just been living on uh, welfare in Australia, which we call the doll, um, because it's a very, <laughs> a very easy system to get on and actually has been a very easy system to exploit. Um and it's cool because a lot of artists in Australia get to sort of birth their art through government subsidies. Because of that. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so I actually had some mentoring through a government program, which was uh, to help people start a small business. And I just chose music and my own music and the label and they took it on and said, yeah, let's do this. So we developed it for two years and I just learned a little bit of business mentoring stuff and went from there. Cool. Yeah. Very, very interesting. What, what are your thoughts about the current state of the industry, the music industry? You know, oh, either, wow. of course you got the Spotify and now uh, title. I'm sure you're somewhat familiar you with. Know, uh, it's kind of like, uh, a fractal expression of any which way you look at the planet right now. There's an old energy that seeks yeah. to control and consume and have sure. all the power. And well as that old structure falls away and eats its own tail, you know, destroys itself. <laughs> right, right. Because it's not sustainable. You see other things growing up from underneath through the cracks, you know. Right. And so that, that's where we are. I mean, you know, we could talk to the end of days about what's wrong with the music industry, but it's awesome to see. And, it, you know, Spotify is an example, like the amount that artists get from that compared to ones who are popular is ridiculous. I mean, it's yeah. not a fair model. It's not yeah. a fair system. Mm. Right. But, you know, we're we're all looking for ways to improve here. And so we can see something like Bandcamp's a good example because the percentage they give to artists is a lot more than other places. And, you know, it's, there's just feels like there's a good energy within that company. Right. You know, so yeah, we, 
as we as we evolve ideas, we'll see newer things emerge. And you know, there's a lot of artists giving their way um, away their music for free now. And sure. even when doing that, there's a lot of people who are willing to pay. I mean, we just had a free release on the label, and I was amazed at how many people paid have paid for it normal uh, like more than what the release would have been if I'd put a price tag on it. Sure. Kind of like Radiohead did all those years ago with the name your price and they did way better than, you know, the typical because I, I think people really resonate with that concept. And that's actually one that I'm about to uh, push forward with, you know, uh, the Positive Head website, which I have one product now, This the Positive Head bracelet. And, you know, it's based off of, I don't know if you guys are even familiar with it or not, but it's basically based off of, uh, you know, the therapy studies where people have suggested using a rubber band as a, as a simple reminder or tool to kind of like snap yourself if you're oh, yeah. having a, or experiencing a negative thought. So I just decided to make that into an actual product using recycled materials and, you know, recycled tires and whatnot. And, nice. um, you know, and, and, and really even just a visual reminder. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't go around snapping myself with it too much these days, but it is a great visual reminder. Yeah. And one of the things that I've run into having, you know, not, very recently even launched the site in that product in this podcast is some people saying, oh, you know, oh, you're trying to sell positivity or this or that. And it's like, no, no, no. Actually, my intention is to get this simple little tool out to as many people as possible in the hopes of bringing some small bit of positivity into their lives. And my, so, so what, after, you know, a month or so since actually launching everything, I've decided in the last week that I'm, I'm going to change it up. So to really demonstrate my intention with that is, uh, name your price for it. Here's my cost. I don't, I, you know, my, my primary motivation is not making money off of it. And sure, that'd be great if I did, but you know, not my primary motivation and, and I'll prove it by putting a name your price kind of, uh, model along with it. And, uh, I should be pushing that forward in the next few weeks. And and my theory is, is that people are going to resonate very strongly with that. And of course it makes my intention very transparent. And, uh, I think as a result, I'll probably see the people who come in and want to pay, you know, some $30 for it when, you know, I would have never charged that or whatever. So I think that's interesting when you kind of, when you, let people decide what it's worth to them, whether it's music or if you can afford to do it with a product of, you know, uh, of any kind. I think it's uh, something that it really, you know, inspires people and, and brings out the best in people as well. Yeah, totally. So now, Eve, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your project, uh, Soul Voice Sacred Art? Yeah. Or a so- lot of it, even. <laughs> Soul Voice um, started in 2009, and I went to my first um, festival in 2008, and I met the most beautiful, amazing, gorgeous souls that I think I had ever met in my life at that festival. What festival and, was that? Uh, it was called Puente Eterno. At the time, it was down in Mexico and a lot of the San Diego and L.A. tribe, about a three to four hundred person festival, closer probably to 300 at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw fire performance for the first time. I saw beautiful, amazing belly dancers and different acts throughout the weekend. And I was so inspired. And a lot of these people had just met or had briefly met a month or two before this. 
And okay. I remember kind of being lit up like a little kid. And right. I went up to some of them, you know, with sparkles in my eyes, like, wow, you're like the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked them from my my heart was, hey, like, I do theater and I want to create something. And will you be in it? And cool. I was floored when they actually looked me in the eyes and in the soul and smiled at me and said, yes. And I was like, wow, these people wow. don't even know me. Yeah, and yeah. they're saying yes to me. And... So I kept my word and I kept my promise in the next year. Um, I picked several women to do a show called The Awakening. And The Awakening was about all of the different um, chakras and uh -huh. each color represented a different culture. So we started oh, cool. with the African for the root, the belly dancing, the Middle Eastern for the second. The third was our tribe, our whole Burning Man tribe with the fire, you know, and the way we dress. And then the fourth was Native American. The voice was the Valkyrie or the Nordic. And then um, the third eye was the Tibetan. And at the very end, it was this universal kind of song where all of the chakras came out. And oh, cool. at the very, very end of it, all the women had their hands on their heart. And they stood there for a second with their eyes closed and they moved their hands from their heart out to the audience, like as if they were giving. And right, it was like a right. tidal wave of energy rippled out of them and all wow. through the whole audience. And the whole audience kind of gasped at that moment, like, wow. ah. <laughs> there's palpable energy actually emanating from your hearts right yeah and the fact that it's very powerful when m many women get on stage and many women are giving from their heart like that and so in that moment something was born that ignited through so many people who watched that performance and immediately sought me out and asked wow. what are you doing i want to be a part of whatever you're doing and cool. I didn't have something that I was doing. <laughs> you were like pushed into a sort of leadership role right on the spot. Yeah. And it felt good because I, you know, I had created children's theater before this uh, in Ohio. And I was like, great, like, let's do theater. Right. So I had this idea. We're going to do these performances. And I watched this culture and they were very fascinated by this idea called goddess. And I was like, OK, uh -huh. they have goddess gatherings and they have goddess this and goddess that. Right, right. And I started asking these women, do you know any of the stories of the goddesses? And uh, yeah. they said no. <laughs> wow. So as a theater maker, <laughs> I'm like, well, right. that was see. puzzling you to you. Yeah. You don't know the stories. So let me tell you a story. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I um, pulled different cultures and presented them to um, several of the women who were interested and had them uh, look them over. And I read them and told them the stories of the goddesses and, and asked them to be passionate about whichever one they chose. And so I had three cool. Egyptian goddesses and three Hindu goddesses. And um, we had a local party that basically was in, in the woods and it was this beautiful little spot called the fire garden. And there was probably mm -hmm. about a hundred people oh, there. Is, is that the fire garden in near San Diego? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my my uh, birthday party. I had a surprise birthday party thrown for me last year by all my friends, and it was at the Fire Garden. What a great place. I yeah, love that Yeah, so spot. that's where Soul Voice was born. Her first show oh, was there. Oh, cool. 
And it continued for a couple years after that. But that first show was super special because that's when I learned that there was a difference between theater and ritual theater. So when you right. involve the archetypes and you involve uh, intention and a whole process of basically calling forth this bigger aspect of yourself. And that's right. what all the women did for several months, actually, with me before we actually performed the show. Um, mm-hmm. So we were diving deep in all the mythology and all the meditation. So they were they were stewing in all of this. And wow. so when they came to perform, what came through and what emanated was life-changing for all of us. Invoking goddess energy, essentially, right? Yeah, and that was jaw-dropping for me because I had no idea that that's real. So I had thought right. that you know, these are all stories and these are all in a book and, you know, you read the story and that's great and, and the end. Yeah, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> right. Wow. So these ancient myths are basically blueprints to um, our human soul and our human divinity. And wow. we access at different aspects of our divinity through different aspects of the archetypes. And so soul voice then became a devotion to having this experience available for the people in that tribe and for myself i was learning so much as every performance would come through and how to honor and have reverence and learning of the traditions and uh ritual theater makes you uh learn that stuff pretty quickly because if you mess up the energetic repercussions actually are physical in your life where you know things will get chaotic and strange and you're like oh i didn't i didn't thank her i didn't close her out or (laughs) i didn't give her flowers you know goddesses you have to give them offerings and then you you learn what is still alive on this planet what is someone devoting to and and that has an energetic imprint so it goes pretty deep down the rabbit hole and um it was yeah it's been life transformative since the that moment to now i mean it it still continues and i still learn so much through the mythos and and um And then currently reformulating how I'm going to start teaching this because it's very powerful, powerful stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I really want to take women into under my wing that actually want to devote to it because that's another thing. You can have the experience, but to actually integrate it into your life is actually pretty challenging because it brings up all these aspects of you that you don't maybe want to see or acknowledge. And so the individual has to be absolutely willing Uh, to do that work. And then she can basically initiate herself into these higher levels of understanding and opening. Wow. I was just showing um, maybe an hour or so before we we started this um, podcast, I was showing my partner, Anna, your, uh, it's soulvoicesacredart.com is your site, right? And I was showing her uh, a little bit, your intro video and so forth. And she was very much, you know, someone who uh, the last couple of years has just had this profound shift in uh, opening to these higher realms. And, you know, I told you kind of before uh, we started recording a little bit about a, an experience that we had had uh, together a year or so ago. And she's just had so many like powerful um, experiences as she's tapping into her, you know, her goddesshood essentially. So yeah. as soon as she kind of saw a little bit more about you and your project she's like i've got to meet her i definitely (laughs) she is awesome like so i think what you're doing is so cool and special like really it's um and i i think you hit the nail on the head 
you know, as you put, uh, you mentioned earlier and as mentioned on the site, you started out as a purely kind of theatrical performance that Mm -hmm. quickly evolved due to the energy you were invoking. And you didn't even really realize that this was a real thing. And I think that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And what a teacher. (laughs) Yeah. What a, what a path you chose. So like, Oh, I'm going to dabble with this. Like, uh uh-huh. So, um, very, very cool. Now you, you mentioned also archetypes and so forth. Can you, and, and also, well, just on the archetype point uh, for, for a moment, when you say that you're referring to like the different goddess energies, is, is that correct? So archetypes are pretty much um, characters. So we're all playing a great story. There's multiple stories that we play throughout our lives that have been played out through our ancestors, and um, they're universal. So there's there's characters in, in the story of life that have played time and time again, and the archetypes are different aspects um, of that story being played out. So in within one archetype, let's say, of the mother, you know, there's mm-hmm. different aspects of her. So in the Hindu tradition, you'll see a beautiful um, Parvati, which is the mother of, of Ganesha. And you mm-hmm. see her as loving and unconditional and all those good things. But then mm-hmm. she has her other form, which is Kalima. And so Kalima mm. is known as the destroyer of the illusion. So this is this darker mm-hmm. aspect of the feminine. And so as we get to pull these different parts, like we're just talking about the mother, but then she starts to get very textured. And so the archetypes mm-hmm. give flavors to those different textures inside of the different parts of our lives. And then eventually these universal aspects that go beyond just our life and Mm -hmm. the planet life. And then you're looking at bigger scope of, of how we're all connected. Multidimensional selves. Yeah. 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 So these archetypes are just basically like I I explained it to the women, like phases of the the moon. So, you know, you have different slivers of the moon and and each one is called a different name, but they're all the moon, right? You have the dark side of the moon and you have the light side of the moon and it's still the moon. So that's the the feminine, but then she has her different textures. Very interesting. And the masculine too, not to leave him out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's somewhere on the sidelines, just like admiring all this. Uh, He gets archetypes too. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, Now, one of the things that I I also notice on on your site, um, you talk about healing, you know, using, well, of course, mythology as a medium and healing playing into, you know, the the whole soul voice experience. What, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The healing aspect is uh, basically using our awareness and our consciousness to explore the aspects of ourself that are hidden. And for the most part, when we're walking around unconscious, unknowing that we're playing out dramas or stories or uh, different wounds and hurts and joys and loves, uh, we tap into a deeper empowerment when we can actually look at those aspects of ourself and understand that they've been written throughout time, that our grandmothers and their mothers and their mothers before them experienced certain universal happenings. And so Mm -hmm. we start to connect with a bigger fabric of who and what we are. And so then that becomes very therapeutic because then we can claim Um, aspects of the self that we didn't even know existed or aspects of the self that are subconsciously playing themselves out in our life. And we don't realize that we're almost imprisoned by that. 
a certain pattern over and over and over. But then when we're able to play them out, and sometimes the theater is a beautiful medium because you get to play out your shadow, you get to play out these dark aspects that aren't allowed in your everyday life, but they are allowed in theater. So when we get to express these darker aspects, we claim them and we're no longer afraid or ruled by them. And so it becomes a very liberating experience just as much as, you know, touching into these greater aspects of ourself, um, through the multiple layers and the multiple colors of the multidimensional reality of what we are, because so many of us just play one aspect of ourself as, uh, as the good brother, so or the good, you know, wh- however we play our role out and that's really not doing the human experience any justice. So it becomes, like I said, profoundly a therapeutic experience. And for a lot of beings, that's really what they're coming to me for. They don't know it at the time. They think that they're just coming to me for, a pretty costume and to be on stage, but little sure. did they know <laughs> they're into my little, um, surgery. <laughs> they're about to go right, right. To deep surgery. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting that you brought all that up because that's, it's actually a synchronistical kind of happening for me because I, there's, um, a female new into my life. Uh, one of these people, you know, uh, as I've kind of grown spiritually and so forth, one thing that's happened with my own intuition is when I know someone is significant or going to play a significant part in my story, I just get like, you know, it's just like pings all over the place. I just know it's like, oh my gosh, this person is is someone important in my life in some way. And there's a person that's newly come into my life uh, with that. And in part of my understanding of the role that I'll play is – She's, um, you know, a a fairly 22 years old, so fairly young, um, you know, just figuring out who and what she is in this very dark leaning. Right. But yet her spirit is uh, very, you know, beautiful and kind and all those things. And so for me, as you kind of hit on it, it's like I I am such a, you know, positive head. Right. It's so, so much one sided. And as far as, you know, where I lean but yet, and then as I'm even just beginning to have conversations with her, I'm realizing it's like, okay, this person has a lot of, you know, uh, attraction to the the dark, the darkness, so to speak. Um, and here I am, this this light worker, and bringing this other energy. But at some point, I'm also realizing and always examining myself, and it's like, okay, what what am I? What am I missing to some degree? I don't, I don't want to tell her that she's wrong because in some sense, I know that's a part of who she is and who she's supposed to be. And how do you find, you know, how do you find that balance? How do you learn how to incorporate that light and dark? And, and that's one of the things um, I actually mentioned to her when, you know, just in, in random conversation about interviewing uh, you guys, I was like, you know, the thing about, uh, Callie Centella music is I, I there's this kind of dark element to it but it's like a it's like a positive darkness <laughs> so I, I I really think that's cool and and you know it's just I don't know this is just something that's been on my mind a lot even in the last 24 hours so you, you kind of going into that explanation really helps me to to think more about you know this whole topic of it of not resisting this part of ourselves but rather incorporating it. Yeah, because uh, and, then and transmuting you, it. you liberate it then. So usually throughout time, religions have segregated good and evil. 
and they've mm-hmm. split them apart and it's caused so much suffering and so much pain and shame and all of these wounds are aspects of ourself that we've repressed or denied so right. the whole idea whatever religion you're looking at if the religion splits good and bad you have to look at that because what really it's pointing to is that it's a disempowerment program and so when you empower yourself you're able to look at the good as well as the bad and realize that there's more textures in this thing that you call bad and eventually right. you learn that it's not so bad it's just these different flavors of these different emotions that maybe don't feel good or don't feel comfortable but eventually you learn to navigate your way through them and you're not afraid of them and you so therefore you're not taken by them anymore and you're you get to understand them and in that understanding you unite these deeper part of, parts of ourselves that actually hold our power they hold right. the truth of the magnitude that we are Absolutely. so if you look at the example of um, parvati which is the universal beautiful soft loving mother and kalima many people are afraid of kalima because she's got blood you know she got a sword yeah. and she's gonna cut, kill you <laughs> right but if you look at her you understand that she is a destroyer of illusion so all things that don't serve you and that yeah. she too is a form of love except a different form of love so sure these parts of us are aching for our awareness and for our claiming so that way we can come into a deeper empowerment of dark and light as actually one thing and they're not yeah. separate it's only an yeah. illusion that they seem to be polar opposite but they're actually varying degrees of the same energy pointing right? yeah you got it cool well that that's really cool I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of got on that uh that point because it's one that i've really been like i said dealing with myself in the last um 24 hours or so so it, it helps to give me some uh more insight so thank mm-hmm. you for that yeah thank you now you guys are are staples in the transformational festival scene and um you know so i'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are on the growth of that movement you know how how do you see it changing and and evolving moving forward and yeah just just to hear your kind of two cents on it in general wow what a journey it's been yeah Uh, (laughs) we we find ourselves in an interesting place because we uh a lot of us ran out to the magical world of festivals to escape the 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 matrix so to speak right and to escape all the problems and it's like oh we're creating this magical mystical land where we don't have to deal with that and we can just make it a new way well the reality is that the real world is in the festivals as well and especially sure. especially the last couple of years where it almost feels like the veil has been lifted on the collective shadow on the planet and we're starting to really see the scope of how the shadow is playing out on the planet with destruction and consumption and all, all of this stuff. Um, that is now being reflected, I feel, a lot in the festival scene where there's been uh, – yeah, I, I remember a place where there was so much open-heartedness and joy and just freedom of expression and sharing. And that is still there, but there's been a shifting of gears um, 
and there's a lot more focus on, you know, really heavy, aggressive music and, mm-hmm. uh, but, but the thing is, you know, in, in not looking at that as wrong, it's, it's reflective of where we are. You know, this music sure. is, is in the scene now because we're all in a place of coming face to face with our own shadows, you know, because right. no, no matter what, position we're in on the planet right now we're experiencing on some level a a struggle you know it's it's challenging right now and so our festival scene because we've created these what we call transformational um you know little zones uh of human gatherings we're being tested within those And, and i feel that the tests we're experiencing in the festival world are almost uh, like a more potent, concentrated yeah. version of what's happening at large on the planet. So, sure. yeah, it's really cool to see it, you know, because we've now got all these these uh, issues, you know, people are wanting more money and so the more money is making the quality less and so there's less focus on art and there's, you know, it's it's all these things are coming together and it's up to us as a tribe to really, you know, uh, evolve through this to come from the chrysalis into the butterfly, so to speak. You know, well so said. yeah, I, I I'm excited to see where it's going, and I feel also as well with festivals that aren't really aligned with the earth and aren't true to the devotion to the earth before devotion to the money and the entertainment, those festivals are carrying an old energy, which is not not serving the planet anymore. And eventually they will have to stop. And, you know, yeah, it's just amazing to see these, you know, some of these festivals we've got like, you know, semi-trailer loads of plastic water bottles to keep everyone hydrated, you know. Crazy. But and now and then we have festivals that are looking to find other ways. You know how how yeah. can we stop this? We have festivals where there's only uh, compostable, you know, utensils and and plates and and right. that sort of stuff allowed to be sold by vendors who are selling food. That's really cool. You know, we could be doing more Absolutely. of that. So we're in Absolutely. this awesome awesome juggling, you know, game of, <laughs> right. of all the, these energies mixing yeah. and mashing. <laughs> yeah. We've got problems and we got solutions. And in between, we got this thing called money that we've all somehow agreed upon. And, you know, uh-huh. we're all just, we're all just working it out as we go. Fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible to watch, you know, from the perspective I've been in, you know, as someone who, you know, an artist myself for many, many years. And then, you know, five years or so ago, um, starting a company and really focusing just strictly on a business kind of things. And just to kind of be liberated from that in the last six to eight months or so where other people are running that company, it's doing tremendously well. And, um, you know, I can, I've been able to now step back into things that are more in line with my passion in raising consciousness and, you know, doing things like this, you know, you know, shining a spotlight on people like you guys. And, and, um, it's been really interesting for me to, as of a few years ago, start attending, you know, probably, I don't know, seven or so festivals a year or something like that, seven, eight festivals a year, and just watching it as it's growing and evolving. And um, it's 
so I'm very curious to hear what you guys being so, you know, actively involved in a staple at, you know, many of the festivals that I've been, been at is, you know, where I was exposed to your music and so forth at the, for the first time. And, um, and it being music that really resonated with me over some of that more aggressive kind of, you know, kind of club almost vibe. It almost brings some of that to, to the, the scene. And, and, and you're right. It's all good. It's all a reflection of different you know, aspects of the the people that are there. And as we're collectively, you know, I feel like we're collectively ascending, uh, you know, vibrationally. And as you're on that journey of ascension, it's, you're going to see the different reflections at different times. So I just very curious to, from your perspective, what, what it was all looking like to you. And it sounds, sounds very similar from, from where I sat. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just excited to see where it goes. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Me too. <laughs> Me too. One thing that I would like to uh, also kind of pick your brains about is, and one of the things that really has has drawn me to uh, you guys' project, and um, is hearing kind of your your basic thoughts about the I like to call it the ultimate nature of reality uh, and the the shift in consciousness that's taking place on our planet. If you could take a moment and just kind of give me your your version of what you think is is happening. That's such a big question. Yeah, it's a big I know it is. I know it is. And, and Eve, I, I can imagine that you could go on for a long time about it. So you yeah. say as much or as little as you feel, you know, um, inspired just to say. Sure. We, we actually talk about this subject um, pretty much almost every day. <laughs> Me too. We, we're very much uh, lovers of this planet and lovers of the people. Um, I think for both of us being in this scene has brought us with so many incredible souls and i believe deeply in those souls and i believe that we've all been put here for a very special reason and the chaos factor and all of the challenges that are coming up um for people on an individual scale and a global scale Mm -hmm. are so overwhelming on so many yeah. different frequencies that we could definitely flush all through all the colors and all the textures. And for me as a woman, I feel a lot and watching different things happening to our oceans and to see the destruction with my own eyes as we travel the globe sure. um, in the different countries that we're privileged to be able to see Um, You know, when I go to a festival and there's a sea of plastic and a sea of trash and horrible things just in one little area, it gives me a wake up call that the rest of the planet is not living um, in a sustainable way. And that becomes more and more to the surface as the Internet and all these other things are giving more light to the severity of our situation. So I feel that. When we are doing our soul purpose, when we can really come into alignment with what it is in our hearts that is burning to get out to the world, um, that's when I feel we come into a greater service to each other. First of all, it's our birthright to live our deepest passion. And when we live our deepest passion, we find that that passion feeds more passion (laughs) and more passion equals more action. 
And so just as much chaos and craziness that's going on, there's so many beautiful, passionate people doing something about it. And so for this next fall tour, uh, we're actually aligning with some organizations that are eco-solution based. And our intention is to bring the celebration of the earth, her animals and all of her creatures, including humans, to invite us an actual authentic connection to the people, to the earth, through all these different ways, through the music, through the performance, through the art, and inspiring people to understand that together we can get so much done and that there are already people on the planet already doing that. And so when we focus our energy to the solutions and focus the energy on the positivity, that 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 is, for me, the way that we're going to get through all of this. And I believe that these festivals, even though they're going through a flux of uh, kind of intensity and chaos and some question where they're going, I believe in my heart of hearts, they're going into a direction of bringing people together. And in that bringing together, we can feel pain together, we can feel joy together, and we can act together. And so that's our intention um, to start weaving for fall tour and then to continue bringing um, people to gatherings and bring them into a deeper awareness of what they can do to contribute. Wonderful. Yeah, that was actually a question that I was going to ask, you know, what's the future look like for you two? You know, what, what, where you're playing, what festivals are you playing this summer and into the, you know, the rest of this year and so forth. So, um, you kind of, uh, started to, to touch on a little of that. So you read my mind. <laughs> so a little view in the crystal ball there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I know you had mentioned something, uh, on your Facebook page. Um, you had something special brewing for a Sonic Bloom Festival, uh, mm-hmm. which is in Colorado here in a few weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Care to give any insight or is that top secret? we're uh really interested in taking people on a deeper journey so what we're going to be playing with is how the visual art um can really synergize even deeper with the music so making sure that the performance and whatever is being projected on that stage is an absolute marriage with the music Um, So we have a special um, couple guests that are going to be joining us to create that and um, yeah, and to just really bring this next level of harmony in the art (laughs) to the people to to really get them to soar when when they're experiencing um, our offerings makes me think of a conversation I had earlier. I actually was at a friend's house a few hours before we began this podcast and um, Android Jones, the, you know, the artist Android Jones was there and I had a conversation with him for some time um, about his uh, art project. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not using, (laughs) taking his art and, and, you know, it's basically a 3d projection system of some kind. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you started talking about that, that's I'm like, hold on, are you guys collaborating? And this is a synchronicity that I'm like, uh, I just met him earlier today for the first time face to face. So, um, so yeah, it, it seems like a lot of people are kind of on that wavelength. How do we step it up? How do we make the art, uh, you know, more impactful and a deeper experience? And I think that's 
that's just the natural progression, right? I, I you know, I think back to even with my own, you know, former music project uh, many years ago. As I mentioned, to you guys, you know, we were called Kundalini, and we we broke up in two thousand four. But at the time, we were projecting, um, you know. Um, art uh onto the screen uh with you know our lead singer we, we'd paint the chakras on him and people were like what is this you know what what is this stuff and then when i started going to the festival uh you know i i really got involved in the festival scene i started seeing like similar things but on these grand scales and i'm thinking oh you know in one sense we were just ahead of our time and now you know we were we were just projecting alex gray that was the only artist like that i knew at the time um and and now it's the scale of just the magnitude of the production is just it's it's seems to be exponentially growing so i cannot wait to see what you guys have up your sleeve and, and how you take it to the next level, because what you're doing already is so impactful. Uh, I just, can't, I can imagine it gets me excited. Mm, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> now, um, one question that I always love to ask of my guests is any kind of story of synchronicity or serendipity or positive paranormal event that has happened anywhere on your journey in life that you would, uh, that's, you know, inspirational in nature that you would care to share. Wow. Uh, wow. Every day is just chock full of, you know, inspirational synchronicity. You just have to have the right lenses on, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, one, one really powerful moment for me, and, we, and that's the thing with synchronicity. I feel like when you have those super powerful moments of synchro destiny, as I sometimes call it. Oh, I like that. You really feel like you're on the path. You're like, yeah, everything is aligning for this the huge moment. wink from the universe. Yeah, exactly. This massive wink. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, in my nightclub days and I went out on a Thursday night to my favorite club in Sydney called Funk Trust, where I'd go and boogie down to funk music for hours. <laughs> and, right. uh, I, I met this, this older, uh, New Zealander woman and I started talking to her and she was really interesting. And I, I guess I was probably about 23, probably about 23 at the time. So just thinking back, I'm like, wow, it's, I was just so for the action, the action. But I, I, sat, right, right. I sat down at this club and talked to her for ages and I ended up going back to her place and hanging out and she made me this really yummy tea and she told me all these stories and she showed me these photos of this magical place where people got together in the forests and danced bare feet and listened to all this amazing music and did art. And wow. she kept she kept saying to me, she was like, you seem like the sort of guy who'd get into this. And I was like, what kind of music do they play? She's like, oh, it's trance music, like psychedelic trance. And I was like, nah, I don't like trance music. Not right. into it at all. Can't stand right. it, actually. I, I like my nightclub stuff. So I, conti right. I continued on my path and kept going into the nightclubs year after year. And then about three years after that, my friends convinced me to come along to one of these bush uh, festivals, or we call it a bush doof because the music goes doof, doof, doof. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so 
It was very mystical. We we traveled through the night and my friend uh, played me Spongle for the first time and I was oh, just wow. like, oh, what is this? This is yeah, amazing. Yeah, a whole nother level. And um, yeah, and I heard some of my first psychedelic trance, which I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's kind of got a deep vibe. And then I ended up at this festival. You know, it was a five-day festival. It's called Rainbow Serpent and it's kind of the, the biggest festival of its <laughs> kind in Australia, the most uh known and for many many yeah, i think years, i've heard of it yeah totally for many years for me it was <clears throat> a definite pilgrimage because it was the first one i ever went to and um yeah so 2007 i rock out to this festival i'm there dancing for days like wandering around like a kid in a candy store i was just like what is going on there's just thousands of people having fun and in in a way of like joy and celebration whereas the festivals in the city i was going to were just like people holding beers bumping into each other constantly and um yeah so i was just like on this journey like wow this is amazing and it was day the last day of the festival on the monday and i'm on the the market dance floor dancing away i've lost my shoes i'm covered in dirt i'm wearing the most crazy clothes (laughs) you know the sort of stuff i wouldn't be caught dead in in a nightclub (laughs) exactly and uh, and yeah i'm just having the best time and i'm kind of with the music but i'm also scanning the dance floor and then i see the new zealand woman carla and i look over and i was like whoa, that's her. Uh, and now wow. I'm in that magical place. So I ran over to her and I, wow. I was like, hey, Carla, it's me. And she's like, oh, I remember uh, you. She's like, oh, you made it. You finally made it. I was you're like, the yeah, guy this- that hates trance music. I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is my first one. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> and, I, and then I said to her, I said, oh, I'll never forget that morning we hung out. It was so cool. And I said, most of all, there was a CD you were playing in the background and I I didn't get the name of it, but I remember it was like a really, really, really deep, groovy beats. And she just laughed and smiled and she pointed to the stage and she said, that's those guys playing right now. Wow. How and cool. This like moment where the, yeah, the universe just did this big wink and I was like, oh, oh I'm in the right wow. place. The right place. <laughs> yeah, how cool. How cool. And that's probably someone that – I'm assuming inspired you in, in, in some way. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't the last time you heard that artist. Oh, definitely not. I still <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> it's so cool. Great story. Great story. Well, now as far as, you know, people who want to get your music and so forth, what's the best place? Bandcamp sound. I mean, you're on Bandcamp, you're on SoundCloud, <laughs> yes, totally. all the Spotify. Uh, yeah, it's on all of those. Uh, you can uh, name your price on Bandcamp. You can listen to it for free on SoundCloud, though the quality's not as good. Uh, but right. yeah, I, I keep you know all my music up there. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And as far as uh, you know, performance art and so forth, Eve. Now you, of course, perform all of the Kalia Centella, um live performances you are an instrumental part of that right there's no there's never a performance where you're not dancing and, and doing your kind of your your thing during the performances there uh once in a while there there's a little moment here or there for whatever reason that i don't can't hop be there. on board but for the most gotcha. part 98 to 99 percent of the time i'm there <laughs> right gotcha yeah. and as far far 
as far as the the goddess um you know performances and the the soul voice related stuff is there any venues or uh, you know places that people can check that out is there anything coming up in your near future uh Um, that's that's along that line uh, for that um i'm gonna start actually infusing more of soul voice into uh the live sets that yegan and i are doing and if women are interested i would really um encourage them to reach out to me personally and i do one-on-one coaching and that's where i'm starting right now big full-blown productions aren't going to be for a little while yet as i said there's so much to it that i i really want to work one-on-one with a lot of people well i already know one that will be contacting you so um (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's good that's really good to know and hear that's exciting because that's that's something that I, I look forward to experiencing. I mean, just hearing you describe kind of some of those initial experiences and the energy that's present it, it, um, I, I can't wait to, to see how that progresses. Um, so last kind of thing I'll leave you guys with, you've been wonderful, by the way, this has been really, really great, uh, getting to pick both your brains. I like to always throw my guests, you know, put them on the spot at least one time with <laughs> this simple question. What, according to, and, and I'll let both of you answer, or maybe I'll give you a break since there's two of you, if, if only one of you wants to answer. <laughs> what is the meaning of life, according to uh, Yegan and Eve? Love. Squishiness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's, that's, uh, uh, that is like my my partner who is going to be contacting you Eve for sure um <laughs> that is her thing it's like that's all she calls me is squishy like and i can't believe i just said that on the air and now people know that it's either squishy or squishosaurus or squishosaurus rex or something with squish i hear probably i don't know 50 times a day so that's really funny she's gonna love hearing you guys' answers and there's some synchronicity for you folks live and direct uh a little embarrassing to me but you know so be it for the sake of the synchronicity uh, i'm gonna come out with it so you guys are amazing i i so appreciate you you know taking the time to do this and uh I look forward to pushing it out to to the world to to hear all these wonderful things. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And thank all you guys out there for listening to this podcast. I'm going to leave you tonight with a song from Calia Centella's album, Open Ancient Eyes. It's the second song on the album called Yatram. And I hope you all enjoyed as much as I do. Definitely check out the rest of his album, if so. Absolutely amazing. And until next time, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Take care, everyone.